Hey everyone, this is George Soto and you're watching Startups Unedited. Good morning everyone, this is George Soto with Soto Ventures and you're watching Startups Unedited. Uh, this morning I'm with Pascal Finet. Pascal, did I pronounce it properly again? <laughs> it was very close to perfect. Very close okay. to perfect. Finetti? Finet? Finet. It's, Finet, uh, perfect. Yeah, it's French and I'm German, so it's and I lived in the UK, so all over Europe. So you're the best of, of uh, all worlds there. But by the way, I, I love Europe. I spent some time in Europe uh, this last year, and it was just a really incredible opportunity. My mother's family is originally from Spain. And of course, my dad is Cuban, descendants of Italy and, and, and Spain. And so I, I just have a soft spot for, for Europe. I always say that that's my next destination. You should definitely go. Uh, Barcelona or Berlin? Absolutely. I hear fantastic things about Berlin. So, oh, yeah. You know, the ecosystem there, I hear, is just exploding for startups. So really excited about that. Well, Pascal, if you don't mind just kind of uh, giving us a little... Uh, background on on uh, your professional background and uh, you know when did you really realize you were an entrepreneur you started first of all your resume is fantastic you uh, you've started SaaS companies before SaaS was even thought of uh, you, you worked at fantastic companies like Mozilla who for everyone who's unaware is the, are the creators of Firefox the browser which I think really revolutionized uh, the browser experience and now are heading up the the singularity university lab is that is that accurate that is absolutely correct yes fantastic yeah, so, uh, as you said like i think my background really is uh anchored in entrepreneurship so i started my first company out of college when i was 19 uh during the crazy days of the first dot-com boom by the way so i i have never seen anything like that and i probably will never see anything like that ever again uh where i could raise two and a half million dollars uh basically on a two-page uh business plan as a single founder um pretty crazy pretty stupid uh make no mistake uh so i did a bunch of companies um had the great fortune of working at some of the more interesting tech companies so i worked at ebay in the very early days um as you mentioned mozilla uh spent some time at google um co-founded a venture firm uh, which we brought to London and uh, yeah now at Singularity University where I head up our uh, innovation lab. Now I know you've actually launched uh, quite a few innovation labs at a variety of companies. What are what's kind of the thought process there for these organizations when they think about hey we need to actually create an innovation team within our larger organization? Is it that you know, they are looking at it from an investment perspective or more a just being able to create teams that tend to be smaller and more agile for uh, for more the innovation product side. Yeah. So in my case, it was always the latter. Um, so I know that very large companies do the former. So they really build these innovation labs to, you know, come up with new ideas, which they then can spin up and, and invest into. Um, in my case, uh, so I did this innovation work um, here at Singularity University at Mozilla uh, and to a certain extent at eBay. It was really about like taking a small team um, basically of lunatics, like crazy people, uh, and put them at the edge, right? Like the idea is like free them from the shackles of the actual organization and the money making of the organization, which is all good and, and healthy and important, and let them explore what's happening at the fringes. Um, so. For me, for someone with my personality, which is uh, basically ADD driven, 
uh, it's the perfect spot. Well, amen on that. I mean, I, I, I'm a maniac lunatic and I've been hearing that my whole life and I do uh, have ADD, I think. Uh, so I completely get it. Uh, you know, just, I, I wanted to focus for a second, Pascal, on singularity. Like, I mean, I'm super excited about the concept. It's just very logical for me. What is singularity? And, and I know this is a broad question and hard to answer in like, you know, sure. minutes. Okay. But what's the impact on planet Earth that singularity will have and is happening today? Yeah, sure. So um, there's different uh, definitions of what the singularity, quote unquote, actually is. But um, at the very basic premise is um, understanding that computers get faster and faster all the time and better and better, right? Um, which the underlying driver for that is Moore's law, which said that, you know, basically computers get twice as fast and uh, half as uh, expensive every two years. Um, you can actually extrapolate the point in time when you have a computer which has the compute power of a human brain, uh, which happens in the next 15 years. So in 15 years, someone will build a computer which is basically as smart um, as a human. Uh, that doesn't mean that it needs necessarily is conscious, um, but it has the smarts, right? So the, the point is that um, sometime in this time frame, probably slightly beyond that, but sometime in this time frame. You will have machines which become or can become representations of us. Um, and you see this a little bit today with like Siri and um, Cortana and Google Now, where you start to have this like interaction with a computer, which is a little bit more like a, uh, an intelligence. Um, and the singularity really is the moment when you have like a full intelligence basically in a, in a compute device. And, uh, to your question about like what does this mean for humanity, uh, many, many things. I think it will dramatically change the way we live our lives. So imagine uh, the phone in your pocket is not just a, uh, a fairly dumb Siri, which can't do a lot today, but becomes literally like a, li a little mini version of yourself, but connected to all the knowledge and services in the world. Um, so you can have a, a really meaningful conversation with a, uh, an artificial intelligence and have that AI do things for you. Um, so it will very dramatically change the way we perceive the world. You know, I thought a lot about, you know, the, the will machines take over and what does that even mean? I, I don't, you know, you look at the term, Terminator, you know, story and all the silliness that, that people talk about and it's always so negative. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily buy that. I mean, we'll, we'll see, right? But, um, you know, the, the there is one component of processing data and being able to understand data and coming up with, you know, responses or answers to questions or, or you know, or formulas, et cetera, or problems, you know, and then you talk about like what it is to be human and that, you know, you know, that, that whole, uh, uh, that whole question. But when we talk about what it is to be alive and human and conscious, you know, I, I don't know if, if you're able to answer this, but I just figured I'd throw it out there. Are we able to actually replicate consciousness versus what our brain is doing, receiving all this stimulus? Like you and I are sitting here and I'm hearing this stuff, seeing this stuff, and then actually processing it. And then there's this entity that a lot of religions and philosophies have talked about for centuries. And it's this consciousness that's just aware. Have we been able to get there? I mean, is that something that can be programmed or that a machine could do? Right. Uh, I think it's a fantastic question, by the way. So um, my personal view, there's, there's a gazillion different views on this, right? So my personal view is, uh, so first of all, we don't know a lot about 
consciousness, quote unquote. We also, just to be clear, we know very little about how, for example, our brain even works. So this is all in the very beginning stages of research. Um, I believe the interesting point, the interesting question is actually not, will computers be conscious like humans? But the much more interesting question is, when computers become self-aware, how will that actually look like? Because it will look different. Because ultimately, their quote-unquote brain is silicone, right? It's a different type of material. It's a different way of, uh, of interacting than what we have in our, in our skulls, right? Um, a colleague of mine has this amazing picture, and he talks about this, which is, uh, imagine you've got a picture which a, uh, in the picture, you've got a big ant. Um, so you just see the ant, basically. And there's a tip of the finger, and you can only see the tip of the finger. And the ant has its little, like, uh, antennas, you know, like, tilted upwards towards that finger. And the point being that for the ant, the ant can see the finger. It has no concept of what the rest of that human body is, what, like, which belongs to that finger, right? Because it can only experience the little finger. When we get AI, uh, quote-unquote conscious AI, we might be very well be the ant. So we see this little thing, but this really big body behind it is actually even, it's incomprehensible for us because it's so different. Interesting times. Interesting times. I know a lot of people have been talking about this topic for a while. For some reason, so many of us are scared, uh, you know, and I, which I, I get, right? I, I get the perspectives of what totally. singularity means, right? Or could mean, you know, totally. but uh, I, I'm actually quite excited about it. I think if there's a, any opportunity to uh, live longer and, and be able to replace uh, the, the organs and, and some of the you know, uh, processes internally that are, that are happening, you know, biologically with some sort of intelligent machine. I mean, hey, why not, right? Um, you know, I, I wanted to talk a second about Singularity University, and I've been monitoring Singularity for a while now. As I mentioned, Chris Duggan, the CEO and, and uh, founder of, over at BetterWorks, is involved with the organization. I know your part is, I mean, really exciting. What is Singularity University focused on now, and who should be applying, whether it's to the overall university or to your particular lab? Totally. So uh, we are both a, an educational institution as well as an institution which um, facilitates doing, building stuff. And uh, we are mission-driven. So our mission is to inspire, educate, empower leaders to apply exponential technology. So these are these advanced technologies we just talked about, like AI, synthetic biology, robotics, um, nanotech, new energy systems, et cetera. Uh, to address humanity's grand challenges. And this is important, right? So we are really focusing on how do we leverage the latest in technology and not only teach people to understand those and teach people to understand what the impact of those will be, but also the idea of how do you tackle the biggest problems in the world with that? Because there's, you know, a gazillion problems which need to be addressed. And um, I believe everyone here at Singularity University is just sick and tired of your next... Um, social media photo sharing app um, nothing against it but it's like we have bigger problems bigger fish to fry so to your question who should apply and and who should come a uh, couple of answers are probably uh, relevant for the uh, the viewers of your uh, podcast we run a program in the summer which is a 10-week program um, which is probably one of the best education programs i know in the world and it's fully sponsored so it's a typically would be a thirty thousand dollar fare but uh, we fully sponsor it. Um, we bring the smartest kids from the world together and uh, teach them. 
and then also inspire them to build companies to solve these big problems. Um, that's number one. The second is, if you work on a startup which is in this space, so you're like leveraging really interesting technology, tackling big problems, we have a series of programs, including a startup accelerator and a venture fund uh, to support you. So in those cases also, you know, by all means, like here's your home uh, to apply. Amen. I love it. I really love it. And, you know, some, I, I haven't been in, in the game in the startup world and technology world as long as you have, but, you know, over my 14 years, you know, I, I, I have been, uh, you know, in a place where I become fatigued with hearing another MySpace for, you know, whatever thing or Dropbox for, you know, this type of file or something, right? It's like, you know, and, and I, even I, right, like, uh, you know, who have spent a lot of time trying to build software companies and part of, you know, building and growing software companies, you know, I always have these moments where I sit there and I go, what are we really doing here? Like we're building some ad tech thing or some like social CRM thing. Like who really cares? Like how does this actually help the world? And I think a lot of us struggle with that. So I really love your mission. You know, speaking of entrepreneurs, you know, how can we out there, us like wild maniac entrepreneurs who, you know, love innovating, love creating things love building using building blocks to to build castles you know how do we actually impact this singularity movement you know and and this could be anything from specific opportunities or or you know i hate to say pain points but like the world's pain points you know how, how can we uh how, how can we impact it in a positive way totally uh, so one thing I, I always tell our entrepreneurs is um, really start from a, so first of all, start from a real problem statement. So um, don't build technology like, you know, you know this very well, like very often, like you see technology built for the sake of technology. It's like, hey, I built this weird little thing and like now let's find out if there's a problem for it, which is, that's all fine. It just doesn't solve, often doesn't solve a real problem. So. Um, develop real empathy, really figure out like what, what problem spaces look like. Um, a really good uh, uh, primer in this is um, this whole design thinking movement, which comes out of Stanford's D-School, um, uh, which you, you can study for free online, et cetera. So I think that's a really good starting point to like understand the problem. Once you have your problem, like the, the one thing I always tell people is, ask yourself, what does it take to make the problem go away? You know, like, one of my big pet peeves is that there's a lot of people solving interesting problems and yet they're still thinking too small. You know, like they're still thinking like we're making a little dent, you know, like your, your typical, like uh, when you see, when you hear people pitch, they always have this, like it's a billion dollar market and we will take 2% of that market or something. Right. It's like, no, for, for Christ's sake, like take a hundred percent of the market, make the problem go away. Right. So um, uh, with those two pieces, I believe you can actually find, and build very meaningful, like you find, find interesting problems, build meaningful companies. You know, you touched on something here that I think is really interesting. And this is something I've observed, something I've done and uh, will probably do uh, just uh, based on, you know, the things that happen when you're, when you're part of uh, a founding team or trying to build a business, you know, where maybe it's because at times we focus on think we, we first of all overthink things a little bit i think over plan sometimes and then we you know when you're talking about specifically or intentionally saying hey we're going to actually target two percent of the market like for me that doesn't sound like the type of business that 
is trying to impact the, the world in a way that we're talking about here from a, you know, the, based on the philosophies and the mission of Singularity University, you know, within this context, of course, like it sounds more like, hey, I'm trying to make a little money and uh, try to get my, you know, take, take the economics out of this opportunity and, you know, and that's it, right? And so, you know, I, I, I struggle with that. In your opinion, what's the, like, how do you balance, hey, the, the balance between, hey, I want to make some money and run a successful business that's economically intelligent versus how do we build something that really, truly, truly impacts the world in a positive way? Like, I find that sometimes it's hard and you see these founders who maybe sit on, you know, one side of that equation and not on the other. And then it's like, how do we actually really build an organization? Do you have any tips for founders out there around how to balance this? How do I build something that helps humanity, that helps the the kids who are dying in Africa right now as we speak, right? Um, and you look at all these diseases and viruses. I mean, there's just a plethora of things that we can be focused on. How do we balance that with, hey, we need to make money and we totally. need financial freedom? Totally. Um, so let me, let me be clear. It's not easy, right? Like generally building a company is not easy. That's the first step, right? <laughs> so um, I think it's the... Um, uh, the first question I, th I believe you want to ask yourself is like, what do you actually want to build? So there's nothing wrong with like people going out and saying, Hey, I want to build this little, like whatever, like little social tool or like a little consulting agency. And I want to just make some money and I'm happy with that by all means do it. It's fine. Um, if you have a burning desire to actually pick a, pick a problem and solve for that, um, uh, what you describe is this, like, uh, I call it the dichotomy between the short and the long term. Um, because you have these long-term goals, these lofty, you know, like, let's put a man on the Mars, right? Like uh, Elon Musk's dream. Um, and at the same time, you need to make money in the short term, right? So um, understanding that this is, you need to, as a founder, you need to hold these two perspectives in your head and keep them balanced um, is the first step. Once you have that, then you can go into, okay, so if you have a long-term goal, um, you can look at your short-term decisions, which should support that goal, but also make you money. So you basically like you, you in your head, you start to bifurcate between like, here's my long-term goal. Here's my short-term thing, which could be, for example, long-term, I want to build something. Short-term, I'm doing some consulting, you know, the bootstrapping, right? Like you do some consulting to get to the long-term goal. The one thing you want to keep in mind, though, is that even the short-term stuff, even if it makes you money, it needs to support that long-term goal, right? So it's a complicated, uh, it's a complicated situation, um, totally doable. Because the other thing is, uh, Peter Diamandis, one of our co-founders, uh, kind of like has this like throwaway comment, which is actually really smart, which is the biggest problems are the biggest opportunities, right? That's, a, that's the other thing you need to look at is if you think, for example, like uh, you want to solve, I don't know, let's say clean drinking water. Clean drinking water is 800 million people worldwide right, which do not have access to clean drinking water. If you can solve for that problem, like you easily have like tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions, actual customers. So there's something in there, which is like understanding that a lot of these big problems are also massive, massive markets um, uh, and market opportunities. Awesome. Well, Pascal, thank you so much. I want to give your blog some recognition. Uh, you have a, in a website and a blog and a, and a podcast. I mean, tons of really fantastic media. I know it's theheretic.org. Is correct. that accurate? That is correct. Yes. 
And what's the best social network to reach you on if I want to consume your content or maybe give you a couple uh, shout outs online? Well, I'm pretty much everywhere on social media, but uh, uh, frankly, um, so I know that you sold a company to Twitter, so I should probably not say this, but frankly, I'm probably, uh, I'm probably like uh, most active on Facebook. Um, so by all means, like befriend me on Facebook. I'm PFinet on Facebook. You'll find me. Um, I'm a pretty, uh, pretty sociable guy, I guess. And I'll also give the, uh, the shout out. I, I still have friends in, uh, over at Twitter, but I, uh, I understand. I mean, it's really about a multi-channel approach. But I did want to give your Twitter a shout out because uh, I, and I love the content on, on uh, Twitter that you, that you post. And it's P-Finette. So that's F-I-N-E-T-T-E. So that's at P-Finette. Um, you're on Twitter, you're, or you're on Facebook, you're on just all, all the social networks. So everyone, you should absolutely follow Pascal and uh, really absorb his wisdom. Pascal, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Have a great day, and uh, I'd love to, uh, to meet you in person someday. Awesome. Well, come to, come to the uh, Singularity University campus. I'll gladly host you here at the Crazy. And uh, thank you so much for having me. This was fantastic. Absolutely. Have a wonderful day and, and you know, keep the mission going. We got to change the world, right? Thank you. Sounds good. Yeah. And we can finally do it through this program, not, uh, not through creating a, a file sharing thing for you know, people in Austin, Texas or whatever. Nothing against Austin. I love Austin. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Have a great morning. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks Thank you. Right. Ciao.